I don't know about you, but you have, have, you ever, have you ever prayed the prayer, God be with us? God, would you, would you just be with us? Or maybe you said, God, would you please just be with me? Maybe you're going on vacation, whole family, and you pray it as you get in the car. God, would you be with us on this vacation? Help the kids not to kill each other in the back seat. Help us as parents not to kill them. <laughs> or, you're, or you're going to the mall and you're going shopping and you're looking for gifts and you, and you, you, you go and you s- say, Lord, give, be, with them. be with us, be with me. Give, give me keen eyes for sales. <laughs> that perfect parking spot up front. Maybe God be with me as I go on this blind date. Oh, with this guy. Please, Lord, don't let him be a weirdo. God, would you be with me as I take this final exam? You can be sure he'll be there. You can be sure he'll be there, but he's probably saying something like, you should have studied a little more. We've all prayed the prayer, God, be with me. I'm here to tell you this morning there is no prayer more answered than that. There is more, no desire that God has more than to be with you. That's why this Christmas song is one of my favorites. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And that one word, I want to focus in on it today. That word, Emmanuel. Everybody say it. Emmanuel. It is a word, the meaning of it is actually God with us. Emmanuel is God with us. In Matthew's version of the birth of Jesus, an angel appears to Joseph in a dream. And Matthew 121, it says, she will give birth to a son, the angel tells him, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Now, this announcement that, that is happening here People had been longing for this announcement for centuries. God's people had known there was going to be a Messiah that would come. Matthew writes about this amazing announcement because this is the good news of Jesus. The good news of a person who would come in a form of a man. God himself would come in the form of a human and make Things right. And God, that's what God's doing even now as Jesus lives in us and as we walk around on this planet. But I don't, I don't, I don't think it's harder for us to, to kind of make things right necessarily. Humanity's always been bad. It's always been a mess. It's, there's always been horrible things that are happening. We, we, we are not experiencing anything exceptional What I want to tell you, though, is we need Jesus desperately. Desperately. You need him. I need him. I want to get in touch with the longing that I have for him because I know that he is the only one who satisfies my own soul. Matthew quotes from the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 7.14, Isaiah 7.14 was written 
The prophecy came 740 years before Jesus showed up. This blows my mind. How good is God that he would say this seven centuries before the actual event, giving people plenty of notice? You know, I hate it when I receive a little Christmas invitation and it's like the day of or something, you know, gets stuck in the mail or whatever. Jesus gives, God has given lots of notice and still people miss it. Matthew one twenty three says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. If this were a movie, and as soon as I said those words, God with us. Dun, dun, dun. There would be a, an emphasis, because it is the most earth-shattering news that there will ever be. And whether, whether you've been following Jesus for a long time and kind of gotten used to it, or whether you're, still, you're here at church kind of investigating who Jesus is, no matter who you are, today I want you to get in touch with this idea that God wants to be with you. The thing is, everybody who had heard this news over seven centuries, all of God's people who understood that God had a plan and a purpose, everyone listening or reading would have known that God is way too holy to be with humans. You could, in the Old Testament, you couldn't even look at him in his purest essence and live even Moses, God's servant, he couldn't, he couldn't look at God's face. He had to hide his face when God passed by at Mount Sinai because Moses couldn't handle the full presence of God. They would have known that when God dwelt in the temple that had been built that no one else was allowed in, right? It was only the high priest one time a year that people would be That there would be a a sacrifice that would come that that high priest was responsible for. No one else could go in except him. And it was such a dangerous thing that they actually had to tie a rope around the high priest's leg in case he went in and he hadn't gotten things right and died at the presence of God. What a bummer that would be. One day a year. Woo! This is going to be awesome. Uh oh. You see, it is true the powerful presence of God is an overwhelming thing. And He is holy, He is pure. But God came to do something that was so supernatural, so beyond our ability as humans, to make ourselves pure, to rid us of our hatred and our foolishness. Matthew records that an angel tells Joseph, God is going to be with us. What made the shepherds run into the fields rejoicing to see Jesus, the baby, lying in a manger? What caused the wise men to actually 
fall down on their faces in worship as they gave gifts to the Christ child. It was this fact, this idea that God is not distant at all. He's not far off. He's not uninvolved. This is the great lie of our time. But it is a lie that has lived for many, many centuries. God is uninvolved. God's not interested in me. Everybody repeat after me. Say, God with us. Say, God is. God was. God will be with me. The first thing I want you to realize today, number one, is that God is with you. The creator and the sustainer of the entire universe is a relational God. He is a relational God who stripped himself of his glory and all that he was and became like us in the form of a baby, one who was fully God and yet fully human. And that without sin, the Bible says. No sin, no separation from God. No, no failure, no foolishness, pure. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I love the way the Message Bible reads this. It says, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> God moved into the neighborhood. People, God is in your neighborhood. He's walking the, the, the sidewalks. He's trying to find his way into every home. God is among us. You see, Matthew's message is God is with you, God was with you, God will be with you. It's the best news ever. God is not pushing you away. He's drawing you near. The problem is so many of, so many of us, so many people don't believe it. They simply don't believe it. Or they've lost the impact of it. How profound it is. Sometimes we don't really understand what it means. We're like, you know, we hear the preacher say it. Maybe you've been in church a long time, so you, you hear these words, but it doesn't, it doesn't have the punch that it used to have because you've been, you know, living in this construct maybe or a place where these words were used, but somehow it hasn't made its impact on you. But I think sometimes we don't understand the implications. What are the implications of this idea? We're like, we're confused about it. We're, we're like the boy and girl who were singing Christmas carols on Christmas Eve, and the boy concluded Silent Night with the words, Sleep in heavenly beams. No, no, his sister corrected. It's not beans, it's peas. <laughs> totally confused. You're missing the whole point. You don't understand what God is really saying when he says he's with you. He wants so desperately to be with you and to bring his peace and his grace and his strength and his love and life into your soul. Some of you are followers of Jesus, but you're kind of saying, really? Like, I mean, I don't feel him. 
right now. I filmed them a few minutes ago when that beautiful pad was playing on the piano. Had a couple goosebumps one time. I haven't felt that in a long time. Or you're thinking, I've been going through so much lately, I, I don't feel him at all. I'm just numb. I, I know the holidays can be really tough. I know Christmas, Christmas kind of acts like a magnifier. It magnifies whatever's happening. If things are really good, it magnifies and makes them really, really good. Generosity and presents and candy and food of any kind. But if it's difficult, it magnifies the pain and seems to make it even more painful. Some of you are in the room today and you're facing an empty chair at the dinner table. Some of you have relational tension. You know things aren't right with your marriage or with someone else. Maybe you've received some bad news about a health issue It is at these moments where we tend to say, where is God in all of this? Where is he? I don't feel him. I don't see him. If God is here, why is this all going on? Where is God in this? God is with me? I don't think so. Others of you, if you were really honest, you would say, I've done something in my life that's so bad, that's so wrong, I'm ashamed of it. And I don't think God would ever want to have anything to do with someone like me. God's with me. I don't think so. In Luke's gospel, an angel appears to the young virgin named Mary. It's Joseph's future wife. Luke 1.28, the angels went to to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. You'll find it everywhere in the Bible if you just start looking. First of all, this is a very polite angel. Greetings. <laughs> the, the very first truth the angel declares to this girl is exactly what she needed to know because Jesus, the, this angel is about to ask this young girl to do something incredibly difficult. He says, the Lord is with you. I want you to know, I, I understand some of you are hurting right now. And I want you to understand the Lord is with you in a powerful way. And you may not feel it. You may not realize it. But scripture says that God is the God of all comfort and comforts us in our trials. Psalm 34, 18 is just one of the scriptures. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Listen, when you understand that the God of the universe, the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, ever-present God is with you, it changes everything. And very often it takes, it takes a step of faith. It takes a willingness to like put yourself out there and say, God, I know you are with me even though I don't feel it. When you're lost and you don't know where to go, he is with you as your guide. When you're hurting and alone, he is with you as your friend. When you're in the middle of a trial, God is with you as your comforter. If you're sick, 
Our God is with you as your healer. When you're weak, our God is with you as your strength. And anytime you've found yourself lost in your sin, our God is with you as your savior. We need to embrace that. You've heard me say it around here quite a lot over the years. There's this little phrase as we talk about being free of all the junk in your life and all the sin in your life. Is freedom is not the absence of something, but instead the presence of someone. And once you get that, that he's with you, that's why one of our fundamental values as a church is the presence of God. Presence and relationship and mission are our founding values. And we have to start with the idea that God is with us and he's present with us. And that's not just when you're feeling good. It's especially when you're feeling bad. Number two, he was with you. He is with you, but he also was with you. If you look back over your life, sometimes, sometimes I confess, it's easier to see God in the rear view mirror than in the front windshield. Can I get an amen? Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like I could see it back there, but I'm not sure. It's so weird, isn't it? And when you look in the rear view mirror and you see what he's done, but you're driving and you, the, what's in front of you seems so bad, you're like, well, he did it before, but I don't think he's going to do it again. Like it's so classic. It's so human. It can be difficult to see him in the moment, but when you look back, you can see all that he's done and how faithful he is. And so that's why we sometimes need to zoom out in our lives. And faith has to do with looking back and seeing God's faithfulness. And if he did it for you then, he will do it for you again. Now, it may not be all the same. It may not be exactly what happened. He takes you on a new journey. But we can see over and over again in the Bible, Bible characters, some of the most famous ones had this happen over and over again, just like Joseph in the Old Testament. Now, this is not Christmas Joseph. (laughs) This is Genesis Joseph. Okay, so Genesis Joseph was a little boy with really big dreams, and he told his brothers, I'm going to be your leader. They didn't like that very much because they were all older than him. And his brother says, you're a cocky little punk. <laughs> this is the parsley paraphrase of the Bible. So his brothers, his brothers essentially beat him up. They were so mad at him. They're so sick of him. Having dreams and saying how, mu- how, how much he was going to be over them. And they couldn't stand it. They beat him up. They took his colorful coat, threw it in a pit. They said, let's just leave him for dead. But then one of the nice brothers spoke up and said, we can't. We can't kill him. <laughs> Let's sell him into slavery. <laughs> That's how nice that brother was. So they all said, yeah, okay, sounds good. Sell him into slavery. And they lied to his dad and told him that an animal killed him. So they sold him off, and Joseph lived with great integrity in the story, if you, if you want to read about it in Genesis. Even when he was falsely accused and thrown into prison, He had integrity, and from a distance, it's really easy to say, where is God in that? But you you probably had similar things, unfair things happen to you. And it's easy to say, where is God in this? But over the course of Joseph's life, what we see is behind the scenes, God was working. Because, in fact, when he was thrown into a pit by his brothers, that became the passageway through through the prison 
where he landed. He ended up being in an Egyptian prison that led him to the palace of being the second in charge in Egypt. And it took several years to do that. And this is where I think the most difficult thing is for us to face as American Christians, is we want our thing now. We don't want to see the whole story unfold. We'd like to just fix it now. Fix it now. And so we, we, we ask God to fix it now. And here's what I think he's saying almost always. He's like, I will. I'm working on it now. I'm fixing it now. I'm actually working right back here. Oh, oh, you can't see it. Okay, just trust me. Well, why should I trust you, God? Because, man, I'm really sticking out here. He's like, I've always taken care of you. I've always helped you. Even when you were in the worst possible moments, I was the reason you could make it. I think that's the way we've got to live out our faith. Genesis 39, 21, famous passage in this story of Joseph. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. Where was Joseph? In the prison, and God showed him his faithful love. I get pretty emotional when I look back over my life, and I see the places where how God met me in very difficult moments, and I didn't, I don't know if I understood it till I looked back, but I can see my 17-year-old self. I remember when my dad told me in the middle of the night that he and my mom were getting a divorce. And I remember my 17-year-old brain not being able to figure that out. I remember the night when my wife called me and said, my dad died of a heart attack. And I was like, this can't be happening. It's only when I look back that I can see how God was with me in those moments. I remember a few years ago where I was part of a church where a a troubled young man strapped a thousand rounds of ammunition to his chest and came into our church shooting. It seemed that God was nowhere to be found that day. It often feels like that in the middle of our brokenness. It often feels like that in the middle of our earthly experience. Because everybody around you is busted up in some kind of process, a need of healing. You yourself have been busted up, and you're in process, and God is working with you and walking with you and wants to heal you. And I... I think it's really important for us to be the kind of people who when the unexpected happens to us, instead of turning away from God, we turn to him. To him. And I, I, we could go down a long rabbit hole here, but I just want to pause to say that I think most people's most difficult question about God is why doesn't he just fix it all? He's God. 
It's like they want, they want him to be Thanos. <laughs> Just snap your fingers, and it's a big restart. What, what, is, what is true about God and what we see in the Old Testament, what we see in the New Testament, what we see throughout church history, what you see in your lives is God is at work even when we can't see it. But when we, when we get a little further down the road and we look back, we're like, oh. In the chaos, in the brokenness of our world. And there's four forces at work in the world. I mean, I've talked about this before. I'm not going to talk about it too much now. But God, God's will, the devil's will, man's will, and natural law. Those four forces are working all the time. And that's why Jesus said to us, hey, it's a mess down there. And he didn't say it quite like that. He said, here's how you pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, you pray that. You know why he told you and I to pray that? It's because he knows that your will is the second most powerful force in the universe. Oh, you think it's the devil's will that's the second most powerful? No, it's not, because you can refuse his will. Now, here's the thing. You can also refuse God's will. But because God is sovereign and he knows all things, somehow he works and keeps working for your good, for the world to know who he is. He keeps working all everywhere behind the scenes. And that's why God's will is the most powerful force on the universe. Because he can make even, even bad things, he can utilize them for his purpose to bring peace and joy into the planet. Last point today is God will be with you. God will be with you. No matter what, no matter what you go through, God will be with you. And that, that's what's commonly known as faith. <laughs> I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to live that God, like, like I know that God will be with me. Just think about this young girl, Mary, as a teenager. She's more than a plastic figurine on somebody's lawn. She was like a real human. She had hopes and fears just like you have. Imagine if you could see, if she could see into the future. Imagine she's listening to the angel and she hears the angel say, the Lord will be with you. And she could project forward. None of us can see the future too often. I mean, it freaks most of us out. That's why God doesn't show it to us all the time. But here's what she would have said if she believed the Lord will be with you. Here's what she could have said as she faced the future, she would have said, God will be with me when I conceive this child by the Holy Spirit. God will be with me when I tell my fiancé, Joseph. <laughs> God will be with me when I tell my parents. Oh, don't worry. It's from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Took a while for that one to reveal itself, right? You know what I'm saying? God will be with Joseph when I have to travel on a donkey for 100 miles. Notice the phrase, God will be with Joseph when I have to travel on a donkey. Okay, 
God will be with me when we can't find a place to stay for the night. God will be with me when I give birth to the Son of God in a manger, in a cave with animals. God will be with me when I'm on the run trying to save my son's life. God will be with me when my son is 12 years old and we've lost him. God will be with me when we find him in the temple astounding the teachers. God will be with me at the wedding feast where he turns the water into wine. God will be with me when I watch my son falsely accused and persecuted. And Mary would have said, God will be with me when I watch my son brutalized and beaten. God will be with me when the sinners he would die for nail him to a cross. God will be with me as I watch him suffer. God will be with me when he looks up to heaven and says, it is finished. God will be with me when the sky grows dark and the ground shakes. And God will be with me on that first night as I wait and wonder. God will be with me on that second night when I'm just ready to give up. And God will be with me on that third day when the stone is rolled away. And the tomb is empty and he's not there because he has risen. All because, all because he is Emmanuel, God with us. That's why he did all that. The Apostle Paul said it like this as he asked this question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Think about this. Pivotal to Paul's gospel message. Who will separate you from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. Everybody say no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now just, now, I want this to really sink into you. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall, shall trouble? Shall hardship? What about persecution? Wait, are you sure? What about famine? What about nakedness? <laughs> Got plenty of that in our culture. Probably means poor rather than what we're talking about, but what about danger? Are you sure? What about the sword? And all these things, Paul says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Understand this. Understand this one chapel. Please understand this. This is part of the secret to becoming who God wants us to be as a church. This is part of the secret of how you can function as a Jesus follower and take other people's hands and walk with them and help them know who he is, is if you settle this thing. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He'll never, you'll never have to be alone. You've got to believe that. Nothing can separate you from his love. Your fears won't do it. See, we just read through a whole list of external things. But it's often the internal things that stop you. Fears won't do it. Doubts. Listen, doubts won't separate his love from you. Insecurities can't do it. Your brokenness can't do it. Not your failures, not your mistakes, not sickness, not divorce, not what someone else did to you can separate you from the love of Christ. Not your broken dreams, nothing 
Nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is, he was, and he will be with you. This is reason for rejoicing. When you finally believe it, everything will change in your relationship with God. You may still run from him, but you'll run back to him quicker. If you believe this, everything will start to be different in the way you look at every circumstance, in the way you look at everything that's going on in your life. The Apostle John records in Revelation 1.8, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He says, I'm the beginning, I'm the end, I'm the first, I'm the last, I'm the one who was, who is, and is to come. Do you hear it? God is committed to being with you always. Close your eyes and bow your heads and let's pray about this. It's time to give it an honest answer. There is no question. It is settled. He is with you. Now the only question you have to settle. The question you have to answer is, are you with God? Are you with Jesus? It's the time today to give that answer. Are you with him? Wants to reveal himself to you, his goodness, his grace, but more than anything, he wants you to be with him. He is with you. He's lurking every bit of your life in the corners of that hospital room where you were born. He's lurking everywhere through elementary school and junior high especially and high school. (laughs) He's waiting. He's looking. He's there with you. He's waiting for a decision, a powerful decision to be with him. Let me confirm the thoughts some of you are having. You're thinking you're not good enough. Listen, none of us are. None of us are good enough. You're thinking it's too late for me. I've I've lived a lot of life and I I don't think I can reverse it. Listen, it's never too late. He's the one who was, who is, and is to come. It's never too late. You might be thinking, and this is really pivotal, you might be thinking, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could trust him again because I've really been hurt. Listen, God has already risked all he has on you <laughs> for you. And this is good news. So, Father, we come to you and we pray that this idea would sink and seep deeply into our souls. That even as we come around this Christmas season and we we hear that phrase, Emmanuel, and we hear the, the words, God, with us, that we translate that for ourselves. We translate it for ourselves. God, you're with us. And we want to, we want to embrace it. And we want to tell you that we are with you today. Forgive us, Lord, for holding you to distance. Forgive each one of us who have kind of run away from you because we just were ashamed or we were scared or or we just, our, our hearts were hurt so badly. Lord, you're the only one who can heal, so we run back to you. We choose you. And we choose your presence. We choose your peace. We 
choose your strength. We choose to be with you. Even when we don't understand it, even when we don't feel like it, even when we don't have all of the signals, all the signs, we don't, even when we don't have all the answers, Lord, we choose to be with you most of all. All over this room, we make that decision. And we thank you for being with us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Jesus.